I am unashamed. What about you? So I'm uh, I'm back. I was gone last week to Massachusetts. Mm. Massachusetts. I've never been to Massachusetts. It's my it was my first time, and it was so funny because some of the listeners in there know because I mentioned that I was going to be there. And they were like, what are you doing going behind enemy lines? I mean, you know, you're going to, what's going to happen to you? And I said, well, just people, you know, they invited me to come. It was really interesting, though. So I mentioned it on the podcast, and it's a little bitty small church plant, and the guy's from the south, but he just felt led to just, he thought, you know, I can go anywhere in the south. There's a you know, church house on every corner. Well, there's a church house on every corner up there, too. But they're like it's just like Europe. They're hundreds of years old, and there's like you know a handful of people in there. Nobody in them. No, they call themselves the Frozen Chosen. <laughs> this is what they tell me that they were. So it was really interesting. But so you know we we lit a fire under them. Lisa and I did our thing, and we did a podcast up there, which was which was pretty good. They call it Theology on Tap. They do it like in the front of a little tavern, and um, and it was really interesting. But there were so I mentioned on the podcast. So there were. At least five or six different people. One one young woman came. I think her name was Nikki. She came from Maine, Bangor, Maine, which is like a five hour drive. She and mm-hmm. a little boy drove over and heard us on Sunday morning, and then drove back. Mm-hmm. So, but they were all unashamed listeners. Another guy from Cape Cod, some some guy from two and a half hours away. So I know you guys listen. So I had a great time with you guys. And look, unashamed nation is it's in, it's just all over the place. You you think about it just being a bunch of rednecks, but it's. We baptized five yesterday. Uh, the artist baptized them, and the, after they heard the message, then I went from the I, I I got your nose out the parable of the sower. Yep, and just told them that that is like when you read that that is exactly the format. And you some have- don't get it. They say get the Bible out of my face, give you a cursing, and they leave. Every once in a while. 25, 30 years later, they'll show back up and say, I was wrong. Right. I cursed you for trying to tell me about Jesus. And I thought, well. You got to get a good cussing first. Yep, you need to get a good cussing. I said, well, I didn't hold it against you. I said, look, I'd, I'd actually forgotten who you were. I said, but now that you're back, how old were you when you came down there? Well, I was 19. I said, how old are you now? He said, well, 44. And I said, well, you know, your you face seems a little familiar, but I really, I, I've forgotten you. I didn't know. And he said, well, I just want to let you know I'm back. I was wrong. I had a and little bit of, move on. I had a little bit of a, so there was a, the guy that invited me. He had put it on his Facebook that we were going to be meeting for this podcast. And he got a note back from somebody, I guess, that follows him. I don't know exactly how Facebook works, but, uh, it said, why in the world do we, are we having a homophobic anti-woman person up here talking about me? I was like, you don't even know me. You had to explain to him you were married to a woman. Well, yeah, I love women. I One in particular. I'm not anti-women. Good grief. And Anti-woman. So, homophobic. They didn't call man, me a racist, so I guess, I, I guess that was, the, at least they left that off. For but, all you men out there that try to convince me that you're a woman, I'm not anti you. I'm just saying you're a bit confused with biology. <laughs> so I don't hate you, but but trust me when I tell you, when a man claims he's a woman, that's a step one step too far. You call that, I think, depravity. Well, confused is right. So so that's a perfect lead in to introduce our guest. So we, we sent out we sent out Jace. 
as we do from time to time, uh, just to to gather stories. So this time we actually sent him out of the country. He's in Greece. He's in Greece, and so there is no telling when he gets back what all has happened to Jace. I, I mean, looked there, Corinth <laughs> and and Athens was right around there. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw Corinth was right below Athens, right there. Yeah, on the coast, right there. Well, when we were there filming them for the movie. We were driving, and, and it was so surreal because you're driving on this their version of interstate, and I look up, and it says Corinth, you know, exit 53. Yep. And I was like, Corinth? I mean, it's like, you know, you just don't expect to see that when you're driving down and the just road. Just think about the clientele there that the Apostle <clears throat> Paul was working with. Let's face it, it was a pretty wild place. Uh, he was there, and all them ships coming through there with all these, you know, the ship landings and yeah. produce and whatever they were shipping, you know, but it was a it was a happening place there. Oh, it was it was a buzz. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and was. Athens was no more on the intellectual side, but Corinth was the commerce. I mean, it was yep. all the fishing business and all that. I'm I'm really yeah. looking forward to hearing a, a Jay's report on Corinth. No, Surely they the history of the church has to be there somewhere. Oh, it'll well, be a good one. He won't he won't yeah. run out of stories. No, but look, we're not we're not. Me and Nurse Man here, by the way, are. are so we have, we have Jay today. Stone. Let me officially introduce you. We have Jay Stone sitting in Jace's seat. So I expect him to be. Now, I'm not near <laughs> as smart or as intellectual as Jace is, but I promise you, I will let you talk <laughs> and I will not talk over you. That's a, so. It was so funny when I was in Massachusetts, the guy was like. <laughs> This guy listens to our podcast. He was describing it to someone else who hadn't listened. He said, "Yeah, it took me a little while to get used to the way they talk over each other." And I was, he said, "But once I figured out that's just the way they do it, I was fine." Oh, yeah. So it was just it's, we're kind of rude. So Chad uh, is uh, or nurse man, nurse man, nurse man is everybody's got a nickname, that's right, or a last name. So Chad, you're nurse man, nurse man, because you are a uh, a nurse, nurse practitioner, nurse practitioner, yeah. and uh, you. So every entourage. <clears throat> has to have a certain skill sets, right? That I mean if you're gonna have people around well, the way we view it in in seventeen fifty to about eighteen hundred along in there, when they were selling the country, if you had the particular skill set that Chad has right now, yep. you you made no bones about it. You're a doctor. Right. You know enough to where in our mind you're a doctor. I, I haven't a, seen I look, haven't I had seen a, I had a knot on my leg and I said, that thing bothers me and I showed it to the nurse man. <laughs> Because you show that to doctors, <laughs> but to me, he was top of the heap. So I, he was down there. He's the only one in your sphere. He said, I, "He said I get it a couple of days. I come down there. We'll we'll take that out." So a couple of days later, he said, "Put your leg up here on the table." I laid my leg up on the table, you know, and he said, "Let's see here." Took a magic marker and drew a circle. I said, "Hmm, that's unusual." I said, "I've never seen a doctor with a knife in one hand and a magic marker in the other." I said, "Hey, maybe he knows what he's doing." He made a circle and he did follow that line, right, right, perfect. So he just cut a round plug and just pulled, pulled the, pulled the the fatty tid. What do you call them? Uh, what was it? Cis is all it was. Cis. Just a little subcutaneous cis, you know. Yeah. So he just made a circle around it and then lifted the meat out and Uh, sewed it back up about five or six little stitches, you know, came back a couple of weeks and cut them out. So Chad, well, I asked him, I said, you want me to numb it? And he said, no, I, I think I'm. I said, well, I think I better numb it. You know, this is going to not be good. Oh, so you well, did. Maybe you it. didn't numb I mean, it. It was a circle yeah. about the size of a yeah. nickel. 
And I thought, well, you know, I'd take anything. It ain't going to be that bad. I, said, I don't know. Stuff. You cut a nickel out of me. I want, I want yeah, some. Yeah. What about you, Jay? Uh, right. I mean, it was Wait. a nickel worth of, of flesh that left there, but I was prepared to just suck it up and say, oh, no, you, you know, know Phil's got a reputation for not taking any kind of painkiller or not ever being put to sleep. For anything, any kind of tablets, period. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna be known you for torturing Phil. You get past that Omega XL, and then I'm, I'm saying, no, you done gone too far. Fish oil, okay. What about what about this? You know, you rea, yeah, yeah. I said, what no. about bl- what about blood eating, uh, blood eating pills? They tried to get you on that for a while. That eat what are you talking about? I tried it, and and I got down to the last one in the bottle, and I said. It's goodbye to you and and who, wherever the rest of you in the trash can I went. I said that is the roughest thing I have ever done. Take a pill a day, some kind of blood eating. I had. They said I got too much blood in me. You know, which I don't know. It's debatable, but that's what they say. <laughs> uh, Depends on who you ask. Well, it's I said, Doc, for you. I said, Doc, who, who, who's the one that came up with and said how much you're supposed to have? Yeah. I said, where'd that come from? And he was looking at me. I said, who dreamed that up? On they know how much each individual on planet Earth, how much blood they're supposed to have. You know, and he said, research. I said, research. I said, so a bunch of researchers got together and decided, like it's looking at a car engine, they've got a, you know, you pull that you pull that stick out of your engine, and you look down there, and they say, you're supposed to have this much. Well, they, they, they said they got that figured out with a human being when it comes to blood. I'm just I'm just not all in on that. So they, they, they had some sort of dipstick, dipstick they were measuring that dipstick. with? Well, they, they, yeah, you give them about this much blood in a little vial, and some woman walks off with it. She walks back in there, and she'll say, 48. And I'm like, 48. I said, what should it be? And she said, 45. So you're three points high. Yeah. Well, sometimes you go, and they say, 51. Ooh, got to get some blood out. I said, well, people in the Himalaya Mountains and Eskimos, they have more blood than us, right? How do they get more blood, and they're still Cadillacing? And they said, well, uh, higher elevation. They said, your problem is you're not an Eskimo and you don't live in the Himalayas. Do you know what those numbers mean, Chad? Oh, yeah. yeah. What what do they mean? I'm following him, but, you know. What is that 48, the level? That's that's your hematocrit. They go off your hemoglobin and your hematocrit, depending on how much you got in your body. And if you got too much, on average, the world average, I guess, is what they're looking at, 12 to 14. Well, if you got around... 15 to 17, some people got to get it drawed off. So know? my question was, what if I don't do anything? It's best they take these pills. What if well, I don't do it? Well, anything? they say it's risk for, you know, heart attack or strokes. Too thick, you know. Which just a little big harder. 13%, 13% right. higher chance. And you're, you're not exactly a heart-healthy eater. I would think I, well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I eat... I eat deer, and uh, I eat chicken, and like Clint Eastwood before me, fried. <laughs> so, Chad, I got to know. So you've had patients, you know, because you at one time you worked at two different hospitals. Uh-huh. And so you see a lot of people. So where does where does a person like Dad, how does he fit into 
you see people every day with illnesses, and obviously they're coming in. You do a lot of ER stuff, so mm-hmm. a lot of it's you know trauma stuff. But how does Dad rate on a patient scale of? I'm you know, 75, so what about 75 just years in, people, old? Just in general. People <laughs> like Phil just come in dead. They just, <laughs> they just don't go nowhere until they die. They right. come in. Okay. Yeah. And what do they, you do? And you, you've seen a few, right? That oh, just, yeah. They, they're not going to come in. You can't tell them. You couldn't tell them that there was something wrong with them or they was dying if, if, if a car hit them. They wouldn't listen to you. <laughs> I've always thought that was the case. That but was, I had to hear it from a medical case. person. Confirmation. Confirmation. Yeah, right. I just have a numerous, but there's a few Bible texts that says 70 if you're if you're lucky and 80 if you have the strength. And you're 75. I'm 75. So someone says, well, you better take start taking all this medicine. Because if you don't, you're going to die. I said, oh, let me give you a newsflash. I'm 75. Yeah. I'm going to die yeah. Yeah. <laughs> physically. I said, I'm more into the resurrection of the dead That's it. than the doctor's pills. They said, well, this here keep you alive in you know, a long time. I'm like, not that much longer. I said, I'm 75. I said, my day is coming up probably a little quicker than, uh, than a 65, 55, 45, 25. Or somebody five. So the bottom line is physical death without the resurrection. I I, I, I say this with all sincerity. I have nothing wrong with the medical profession, but I tr- me personally, I trust the God of the Bible more than I do the medical profession. Yeah, I'm just my hands. I feel like are in his hands, right. not mm-hmm. theirs. And I feel the same way, mm-hmm. and, and I always have, which is that was my approach to the pandemic i was like okay I'll, I'll try to do i don't want to protect people and i don't want old people to get sick and die if they don't you know are worried about it but i never was worried i didn't worry about any of it i didn't i didn't spend one minute i sit here at 75 you say did you wake up this morning have any kind of headache uh, uh cold uh, ache a backache a pain in your no Absolutely none. There you go. So, you know, I'm 75. You say, well, how long will you go? I said, I don't know. But if I made it this far with very few pills taken. You're not going to change it, right? I'm just, just thinking, just, why not just, just ride it over? Right? You're just like mom. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a break. So I was mentioning my recent trip to uh, Massachusetts, which is a, um, a very blue state. So I, I definitely saw a lot more uh, left-wingers than I normally see, which is kind of interesting because as a conservative person, I, I kind of like going in and seeing, you know, how they operate. And, of course, we were there on Columbus Day, and some woman came by and screaming out of the car, Happy Indigenous People Day, you know, just up and down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so sometimes you have to go with it. So one of our, our sponsors is a company called uh, Patriot Mobile. And what's interesting about them is that, you know, they're obviously, you know, uh, they are a phone carrier, but they, they're a conservative company. And you just don't see many of those in this world because there's a, some big conglomerates. But, boy, they, they fund a lot of things that we don't like. And so they call themselves the only Christian conservative wireless provider, which is pretty good. So they're going to support the things that we support. And so if you're thinking about a change, looking for a change, they're definitely ones you want to check out because they share your values. Go to patriotmobile.com slash fill, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code fill, 
and they always have special discounts uh, for veterans and, and first responders. So patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. Check these guys out. His mom never takes pills, right, Dad? Yeah. What are you talking about? He's <laughs> a walking pharmaceutical. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Jay, tell us, uh, tell our audience, and it was interesting the way that uh, Chad got here, because I, I will say this. Oh, yeah. Chad, I mean, he's that he is not a one trick pony. No, no. The medical side is just a bonus. I mean, this man can do a lot of different That's things, right? right? Well, so t- tell how med- he how he got here. The, uh, it's good that he is medically trained because our hunting crew, as they say, is getting long in the tooth. <laughs> so it's good to have a, have a a guy around that knows what he's yeah. doing medically. But the way it all happened was perfect because. Um, Burl, I'm sure the audience had, has heard a few Burl stories. We actually, Burly Dane. <laughs> we actually showed, didn't we show the deer cam picture of Burley that we thought it was oh, a yeah. Sasquatch? Yeah. But he, it it could have been a Sasquatch, but it was actually Burley. Yeah, he looked well, like no, a Sasquatch. Yeah. No, yeah. So Burl comes up. And, and he's says, a nurse. Yep. Burl is a Burl, nurse yeah, and right. worked at the same hospital as Chad. Right. And Burl <laughs> said, oh, a friend of mine in the hospital, you know, I'd love to bring him down here and carry him hunting. And uh, we we're real skeptical of yeah when Burley bring <laughs> wants to bring somebody hunting because uh, the the eyes of that human being uh, I would say safe with a shotgun <laughs> is what we're looking for is not you know fifty fifty and we don't we don't not many people will hunt with us I mean it's just kind That's of right. our little sanctuary you got to be you got to be vetted you know it's hard to get in yep. it's a dangerous game we play you know mm-hmm. but. Uh, so, anyways, Burl brings Chad, and you know we get to talking. So I, I thought he seems like a pretty good old boy. And, you know, he comes again. Everybody likes him. He, he's a nurse practitioner. Miss K needed something done, yeah. and he fixed her up. And you and, burned yourself somehow, and you called me up. I don't know oh, if you remember right. that or not, but no. you burned yourself. You I, called me up, said, "Hey, <laughs> I need something for this burn." Oh, I burned myself. Yeah, oh, burned, that's, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. Burned so, yourself. So, anyways, you know we got to be friends. And I thought to myself, well, this 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 hand here is a way more valuable character than Burley is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Burley brings him, and then, yeah. then Chad has replaced Burley now as that's our medical right. guy. And now Burley's know, only here part time. That's yeah. right. Burley lives in Colorado, and yeah. you know he comes during hunting season. And uh, but uh, and, you know me and Chad, we're just you know regular running the mill, hard working, God fearing country boys. You mm-hmm. know, and. Uh, we love to get out, work the land, and and sow seeds. Yeah, and a lot of sowing. We yeah. we like to watch the deer herd grow. We're trying to manage the deer herd. It's been about four years in the making yeah. now. Things are yeah. looking up. We he passed on an eight point this morning to shoot mm-hmm. Phil a little doe. I had and, orders uh, from headquarters this morning to get it. some meat. That's it's it. We call tender. that We call that the deer tithe. That's <laughs> right. You always well, they they've done a great job because, but I was wondering. At some point back in the past, I said, "One of these younger bucks going to step up and get me, help me out with all the." You got the. You were the complete land manager for oh, the first twenty. You've plus got the, the, the the food aspect. Yep. If you're going to have a bunch of property and you're a hunter, you come up with stuff that deer like to eat. Yep. Our squirrels, our ducks. So mm-hmm. you've got the food regime. Right. On on what you're going to plant. A lot of things, the Almighty plants it. So you look at it and you say, "Good night." That's Spranglertop. That's smart weed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's nutsed. That's ducks eat that. Deer like that. 
So you have to ascertain what you want to add to that to help the, the food situation for everybody involved over there. Coons got to eat like all the rest of them. So it said it went from coon to squirrels to ducks to deer, you know, whatever. Coyotes, hogs, you, you like which, which one we're going to feed, which one we call the undesirables. So the food regime, then the duck blind regime or deer stand. I mean, you look at the deer stands and the duck blinds over 1,600 acres. I mean, it's a lot of work to get all them <laughs> mm -hmm. put in the right spots. Food plots are not food plots and feeders and, you know, coons, coon-proof feeders. We got some of them, you know, coons are trying to, one of them the other day on that one that uh, the Phyllis and Tony hunted, she said the coons tried everything they could to get over in that deer feeder. They said, we know that feeds there, we just can't get in there. So somebody had a master stroke and built a thing that a coon can't get in. Well, that's good luck. Yeah. Finally, one a coon got out there and got on a limb on a tree over there above it, but the limb started giving way on him before he got out on the end of it. He falls and hits the ground. He's like, no, <laughs> can't get in it from the top. Well, that's but good to know it's working. That's right. Uh, well, and that's, I mean, you're right, Dad. They helped me with all these. They, they fooled with the deer side of it. Well, and for all ducks, those years, food, duck food. for all those years, it was mainly just ducks for you and us. Yep. And then Jay has kind of ushered in, and now with Chad helping with the the whole deer management side of it. So it's, I mean, what's what would you say is the state of the our property now? Oh, I mean, it's I would say it's a paradise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. it's a paradise. Um, everything looks really good. With uh, what all did you plant? That what all was planted this year? Well, you planted for, rice for ducks. For everything yeah. for ducks. We it's a it's a pretty cool story. Uh, we had rice flown in on, with an airplane at two inches of backwater, and I'm I'm talking to my buddy Brad, who, who's a farmer up in Arkansas. He he yep. step by rice step. Farmer. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. So I followed it to a T. We had the rice flown in two inches of backwater. Well, we got Phil. It came up with the the scheme to pump the water out of there. The only way we could get it out was to back that tractor down there and pump it out because what the silt had done got so bad over the years. Over the years, the only way to get it out was pump it out. So we got the water off of it just in time, and a, and a week later, we went out there and it, I said, "Good <laughs> night. Look at that. That's the prettiest crop of rice I've ever seen in my life." But unbeknownst to us, me. It was spangle top. It was not rice. Ah, so it was natural. But it only came up where he dropped the rice out of the airplane. So also, we thought it was rice. Yeah. In yeah. other words, you just get water within this far of the muck, mud. Yeah. Well, I go down and pump it, and I'd go check after every night. It about, it's about the fourth night I went up there to get that two inches out of there. I just kept pumping. We had to dig a hole, that old pungo pump, back in the back of a tractor. Finally, I saw mud, see, saw more mud. I said, it's about 65 to 70% silt, mud, mm -hmm. muck. And I said, the rest of it's a little bit pools of water here and there. Stone said, let her do it. I think a lot of it was rice, but we didn't, we didn't uh, realize the wrath that was coming up oh. on us. Oh. And you can tell that story. Well, so, and also we had the prettiest stand of Japanese millet down that pipeline yeah. you've ever seen from one end to the other solid millet 
Is and, that something you plant as well? Yes, we okay. planted that with the, the track side by side with a broadcaster on the back of it. We planted that in the muck. So when you plant something in the muck, you don't have to fertilize it. That's it's rich, fertile soil, and it comes up really fast. So uh, a lot of moisture. <laughs> so three days go by. I go back out there to check it, and it ain't there. That millet. He saw it when it was this high. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just He's showing for those of you listening, that's about three or four inches he was showing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I go out there and check it. No, Dan, Dan calls me and says, uh, uh, you planted your millet too thick, it's it's, it's gone. I said, Do what? Is it, is it gone? Yeah, he I said, thought it's they gone. Planted it too thick. You get it too thick, so much of it comes up, it's too tight. Too thick. Too tight. Too thick. So I'm like, no. I said, where? I said, is it yellow, brown? What is it? He said, no, it's gone. Like, it's gone. I said, you see any army worms? He's like, oh, we didn't look for army worms. So I get in the truck, run out there. I look and I look on the ground. I see two of them crawling. The holes everywhere. The army worms ate, what, 25 acres in three days. Good grief. Mm -hmm. During the rains. So all that crop gone. So speaking of regimes, somebody just fired up something outside. Of, a, is that red? That's, that's Jimmy Red Gibson, who's one of the. <laughs> I was going to say, what in the world is that? Somebody running he's a chainsaw. Well, he was. He had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's working on that axe. Well, he I, made the yeah. cut because he has a skill set. Got to have a skill set for everything. He can drive a bulldozer. Yeah. A track hoe. He can put axles in four wheelers in fifteen minutes. Which is what he was doing out there. He, he put an axle out. I said, Red got a couple of axles. One of them axles was going. I said, put put one in there. So he went out there, and I saw him all go. He was, but it, so he's he's a man of many talents. Yeah, he's like Red. He's uh, ironically mechanic, heavy equipment operator, somewhat of a philosopher. But if you drove by his house, <laughs> if you drove by his house, you would not stop and say, I think I'll just walk in there and tell him who no, no. You wouldn't slow you, down. You'd no, speed you up. speed up. Speed up. Let's, so let's take another break. So we talk a lot on this podcast about sleep, uh, mainly because Jace loves to sleep, but he doesn't sleep a, a lot. He says he only sleeps about five hours, but then Missy loves, you know, she. Every time I go over there, he's asleep. <laughs> exactly. And he says he only sleeps five hours at night, but I think he's sleeping during the day. During the day. I think that's he's what's happening. He's a day sleeper when he's not doing his. I uh, just thought of the the unmerciful idea of watching the stock market <laughs> for hours every day. And that will put you to sleep. Uh, no wonder he needs yeah. his rest. Yeah. One of our sponsors is a company called Helix Sleep. And uh, Jason and I both uh, have several of their mattresses, and uh, and we love it. Uh, Jason went online, took the quiz, and you match it to your sleep, what you like to do. Mm-hmm. He's a, slide, a side sleeper. You know, everybody has their different ways that they like to sleep. Uh, we really love it. And uh, so we want you to check these guys out. Go to Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com, slash unashamed, and you're going to take a two-minute sleep quiz. Uh, they'll match you to your customized mattress. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it for 100 nights, risk-free, so that's a third of a year, uh, but you're going to love it. And they'll pick it up if you don't love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners Unashamed at helixsleep.com slash unashamed. That's helixsleep.com slash unashamed. $200 off and free pillows. 
Well, he's like the red on Shawshank Redemption. He's the man who knows how to get things. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, he knows how to get things. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, it's turning loose. The only problem is they ain't his. <laughs> but you Other said, well, how do you get a man to be that, to do all of the work where they put, he fixed that, put that axle in a while ago. Well, if you'd had to take it up there to the, to yep. the four-wheeler place and all that, oh, for an axle, probably, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars something, whatever, to replace that. But I walked by and gave him a little check there, you know, Yep. because he's the one down there. We're making a new duck hole. You haven't seen that yet, Al. Mm. We actually made two of them. One of them's on a little slough, the twin, the twin Oaks duck hole. It's a new one, brand new. We just thinned out a little timber along the edge of a little creek. We're going to dam it up. It's already got the dump on it and all that. We're going to flood that. Last year I saw it. I've been seeing it the last four or five years, just wood ducks by the scads, just loaded up. It's, it's a wood duck spot. The other one we're trying to get for big ducks, we're cleaning out all the thin brush and all that old thick brush, undesirables, privets, swamp, you know, plants. We're doing them with, and where we just leave big timber where grass are growing there. So that's part of the sowing. Well, it's a pretty, planting. it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Big trees, big virgin timber. We're copying what I saw 53 years ago. Uh, north of here, about 50 miles, my brother and I, me and Tommy, walked out there. From, we were Louisiana Tech students, and, and we asked some old guy where the ducks were, and he said up on the prairie, and we found out later that the Germans came in there and cut them trees for whiskey barrels, put them on barges, went all the way down through Jonesville, and come in the, 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 the Chafalaya. They came up that way to, to get all the way up here back in the 30s. Hmm. That's when they cut that. But they cut it and they spaced out them trees. And when we pulled up there with 10,000 ducks just raining down on that thing, it was at Spranglotop. Hmm. Water was about that deep, eight inches deep. And I said, this looked like it's illegal to hunt here. <laughs> I said, good. Tonight. It probably is now. Yeah, it is. Oh, now you can't set oh, foot on it. Where, wherever you kill a bunch of ducks, the government shuts mm -hmm. it down. The government, boys. Oh, yeah. The That's government right. bought it. So I'm trying to recreate that same image with the scattered overcup with the scattered oak. Yeah. So we're taking out all them things, and I'm going to make a place. It's about probably 25, 30 acres in the middle of the woods. The, the sprangle top will come up on its own. We'll monitor it to see if ducks can eat it, because I'll see it next spring when the backwater when the backwater finally mm. comes and goes. We'll look out there and whatever the Almighty planted, if ducks can eat it, we'll leave it. Mm. But if, if it's if it's undesirables and not duck food, we'll disc it up and plant something that ducks eat. So well, we got we we got a pretty good food regime going this year. But so going back to the army worms. So the army worms decimated everything that we planted for ducks. Decimated it. So almost overnight. Has that ever yeah, happened? Three before? days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've got us before. <laughs> okay. But oh yeah. Phil, Phil had a bunch of corn get. get I had a corn field, and I checked it two, two to three days later. See how my corn was doing. I had a little rain. We pulled up there, and the guy that planted it with me, we looked, and it was just a bare field. <laughs> well, when we left it. It was about eight inches tall, yeah. the corn. <laughs> so I said, is this the spot we planted the corn? Yeah. He said, this is the spot. Yeah. I said, well, the last time, three days ago, 
This was solid corn oh, yeah. from one end to the other. It was a pretty good size oh. swath there. And I thought, where'd the corn go? I said, surely the deer didn't eat every every stalk. I mean, it wasn't like three stalks on the head. No, it was obliterated. Yep. Right. So we got out there, and the guy, he, his dad was a farmer, and he went out there and scratched around in the dirt, and he come back, and he showed me them army worms. He said, army worms. I said, they ate all that corn within the last three days? Mm -hmm. He said, oh, they can do it overnight. Oh, they moved through there like an army and just oh. decimated it. So we so sprayed it, and I didn't try that anymore. I didn't try corn that year. I, did, I planted it with something else, but but I learned a lesson about army worms. They can decimate a crop overnight. So when you read in the Old Testament, those when something would come through there and wipe mm -hmm. all the crops right. out, you that see is now real. How, how it happens. That yeah. is real. <coughs> so you start adding it all up. You, you, you say, okay, that one's gone. Let's replant something. Try to get... So that's the food regime. Mm -hmm. Then your duck blinds, getting them brushed, make sure they'll float, the floaters, and the ones that are in the thickets where the water comes over them, we'll refurbish them, you know, some boards right out. We use all treated stuff, but that backwater is rough. You know, beavers will come in and where you sat in a duck blind, six men in a thicket, two by 12, you're standing on two two by 12s down at the bottom, and you're sitting on one two by 12 like a football bleacher. <laughs> but we came in the other day, I checked one of them, and the beavers had eaten the whole top two by 12. Mm -hmm. I mean, where you sit, the beavers <laughs> ate it all. I'm like, I, I don't guess it yeah. gave them indigestion the stuff to treat the ton timber with. They ate the whole thing. Well, you, the two by twelves ain't cheap these days. Mm. Yeah, but now going back to that, that army worm deal. So they the army worms got our crops. So we decided not to replant because it was late. Just to go in there and bush hog and and hope the Almighty sees fit to replace it with something that duck seed. And he did. Well, lo and behold, mm -hmm. the army worms ate all the rice in the lows. Well. Guess what come up? Spangle top. Uh -huh. The army worms ate all the millet on, on the higher ground. You know what came up? Purple millet. Natural yeah. millet. Purple head. That, it's the, good millet. The better than Japanese millet. Yeah. Yep. So wherever the army worms got us, the Almighty saw fit to to bless us with the real stuff. Well, that's pretty The good. Almighty's grain crops are resilient against army worms that's right they won't eat his mm. he's got something in there they won't eat them yeah. but if you take something off the market and you buy the seed and you go over there, rice and all this stuff you're 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 it's the chances are you making a crop <laughs> get pretty tough some <laughs> years you make it but most years no well it's interesting because you're you're like a plague you're you're planting crops that people eat that, yeah. that they feed farm animals yep. and all that kind of stuff. So obviously it's a whole different ballgame. Mm -hmm. But, you know, would, would you have ever thought, any of y'all, that you would turn into farmers one day? No, I mean, no. in essence, that's what you are now is you're farmers. That's right. You I, know, but I you're can't farmers for game. being a real farmer. And your income depended on all. Yeah, Think about, you, right. you know, that your, your livelihood. To feed we your family. We do everything but harvest it. The harvesting takes place when the ducks come. Right. Yeah. They eat it. We're, we're planting them food, so they'll say, "Well, let's try that. That's pretty good. Pretty good food supply over there." Right. They start to gather up over there, you know. So we hit and run. We hunt them here one day. We don't hunt there the next day. We move a mile away. We hunt way down there. Mm -hmm. Well, after we hunt that a day, we get to we're watching all the time. Well, then we move over there. So every day is trying to outsmart them. On right. where you're going to hit them, because the more the more you hunt them, the, the scarier they get. So 
it's just well and that's another big change let's take another break So one of the things we talked about really liking Chad is he, he's a man who's wide open, kind of like the rest of us, right? So he's a man who likes to go wide open. Because slow is just right if you're only if you're on vacation, a sloth, or you're describing QuickBooks. That's right. That's slow. They should call it slow books, right? So one of our uh, new sponsors is a, is a company called NetSuite, and they offer a much better uh bookkeeping apparatus uh, for you to be able to use over places like QuickBooks, which aren't that quick. Um, there, they suck you in a slow manual process. You make the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's the number one financial system because it gives you visibility and control of all your own financial inventory, HR, e-commerce, everything uh, that you're going to need. 93% of survey businesses increase their visibility and control when they switched to NetSuite. So you want to try these guys out. It's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash Phil. Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to make the switch today. So that's special financing at netsuite.com slash Phil. That's another big change, Deb, because back in the day, we didn't have any property. And so we at least what... Now is the core over at Franklin's, which is our next door neighbor down there. Yep. And we, we leased the pothole is what we called it. But we hunted there every day because that was the only place we had to hunt. That's correct. I mean, that or Cypress Creek. It's called burning it out. It's too much gunfire. That's right. And, you know, so you would have a day where they'd come through and you'd get them on a flight. But it wasn't like they were staying here. Remember? I mean, you'd go. Stone started working with the deer management idea. And it's about the fourth year or so. Yeah, yeah. But we saw it, you know, used to, if you put a food plot out there, you know, a little old small plot, you know, you look out there, late in the evening, you might see two or three deer show, may not see any. But now, on the average, when y'all go out there, they, y'all, they see 30, 40, 50. They're seeing bucks walk around in broad daylight. Well, used what about to, the, you had the hunt with, uh, with BK and oh, Sack, because yeah. the veterans yeah. and the youth, can hunt early here with a gun. Oh, yeah. In Louisiana, there's a week, usually three weeks before rifle season opens, that yeah. they allow youth and veterans to uh, hunt with a rifle. Which is great. I love that. Oh, yeah. The deer, they have, they don't have their guard up quite yet. Well, I found out this morning, it's up now. No. <laughs> they, they know something's going on. A bullfrog done wreaked havoc over there. Yeah. So his 13-year-old daughter has killed more, more big bucks than most grown men. That's exactly oh, right. She's, yeah. she's little Miss Dead Eye and no shaking and like, you know, I'm nervous. No, she <laughs> yeah. just leans down, you know. Well, she was going to meet us at the beach last week, 13 years old, you know. And so, she, so before she came down, she went hunting with her dad mm-hmm. and shot a big old six-point. Oh, yeah. About know. a seven-year-old bruiser, probably a 110-inch six-point. I mean, it's giant six-point. And she told me a so true a true trophy. She's a classic Robertson because I said, well, because she I said, well, your dad got a nine point on the same one. She said, yeah, but mine was two hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah. His wasn't even two hundred. Well, for Stone's <laughs> past, what, what so the, the competition was yeah. there. The Almighty did yeah. on behalf of Stone, and uh, he did the same thing with the nurse man because of their past <laughs> shenanigans. 
he 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 gave both both of them oh, yeah. a house full of little girls. Little girls. That's it. And, and they said, "Good night." It's like a plague that had come upon them. No little boys on take duck hunting. So they looked up, and one of the little girls I guess that's stepped what happened up. To me too. Yeah. One of them stepped up, and all of a sudden, we find out this little girl is a deer slayer. That's so right. oh, yeah. Stone was like, "Well, it could have been worse." But. Yeah. <laughs> At least you got to get oh, one killer out of the group. I am truly blessed. She baked. Oh, yeah. Cakes and then gets them ready for you, you know. And it's the mm. oldest, she'll get in there, we'll put a little whipped cream, you know. But she actually bakes. Miss K taught her how to cook and make baked cake. So she's a deer slayer, she cooks. So she's, she's a prize cake. She's super unique because her other, her two sisters, her younger sister and her older sisters, are major drama queens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and they're just, you know, but no cooking and typical girls. No, 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 no. They're just typical girls. <laughs> yeah. And uh, although Sage is, you better watch her because she, oh. she'll come up and slug you. She's one of them kind of kids oh, yeah. that catch you without yeah. looking, you know. By the way, there's an undertow uh, movement going on out there in these United States of America. They've tried everything else, but they finally reached down into the to the hunting world. But there are more and more females yes. uh, beginning to hunt, whether it be ducks, deer, whatever, you know, fish, hunt or fish. Yeah. So there's, there's still hope which for America. Which I'm saying, bring it on. That's great. Mm-hmm. The more the mayor, the more hunters you get, the better. Phyllis loves it. I mean, she didn't get she to does. hunt her whole life. And so yesterday she, they scouted Phyllis and the artist she married. You know, he's an artist. He's got these artwork. You can see it on the internet. But, uh, TonyThomasArt.com. Yeah, they just sat there. And they said they just watched, and the deer came right out. And they were the one telling me about the coons. She said one skunk. And one coon played around out there for a couple hours, you know, but then a few deer showed up. So they they came back all excited, you know, like, boy, I tell you what, old, old Stone put us on a hot hole. <laughs> well, and, and again, it's a, it's a classic Robertson woman because she told me, she said, I mean, she the last time they were talking about going hunting, she was just chewing Tony out about being too noisy yeah. in the yeah. blind. And oh, she was yeah. like, if you can't be quiet, just stay home. Yeah. And I was like, well, there you go. That yeah. sounds like a robber's. Well, that's, oh, what, yeah. that's what it's about for me. You know, um, our families, our wives get together, and and, and they, they have a good time together. Our kids, they play good together. But when I come down here, uh, you know, I do get away from the hospital, but also – uh, you know, you get in the woods, but you're around guys where, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. That's right. And and to me, you know, seeing these Bible studies and 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 seeing how engulfed in the word that y'all are, it's an inspiration to me to, you know, try to better myself as a Christian father and a Christian man and to do better for myself and for my family. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I enjoy coming down here so much you know not only do i get to work the land and be a part of that but you know once again iron sharpens iron you know you know and that's that's i was going to bring this up um and this is what we'll talk about in our last segment because you um i mean that's it's not a requirement that you're a godly man when you come here but it's a requirement if you're going to stay around mm-hmm. that you're going to become one <laughs> because yeah, sure. that's that's all we do is is mm-hmm. god and the bible and you're a deacon mm-hmm. uh, at a church right yeah. close to where yeah. we live, where yeah. Jay and I live. Yeah. Great church. I Absolutely. love I love Greg, your pastor. Yeah. He's one of my. It, it, except for being an Alabama fan, I mean, that's which right. I told him that's everybody a has one flaw. Yeah, everybody has to have something, <laughs> that's right? right? And but that's his that's one Chad's flaw. Also we had three a, or four from Alabama <clears throat> yesterday. We were baptized, but they came all the way over here. I said, "I forgive you of all things." 
including, you know, <laughs> being, being all in for, for old Saban. For Saban. I said, Saban <laughs> met his match. I said, I never thought the, you know, the old, old guy Jimbo the guy at A&M would right. be. Now, we love you uh, roll tie people out there because we know we got a ton of them that listen to the podcast, so we just have to gig you just a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But, no, Chad is, is a young buck, too, c- compared to the rest of us. Yeah. You know, he's only in his mid-30s. Right. And, uh, you know. Uh, Which, by the way, I don't know a lot of deacons. Um, that are your age, yeah. so that says something so about saying, your character and your yeah. maturity. Well, his, his work at the, he works. Is he at the millennial long. age? Uh, no, 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 no. I think he's yeah. one above yeah, millennials. Yeah. yeah, he he doesn't have where one. Cut off his. I don't claim him. You know? <laughs> no, I, I've lost. Lay our glove on the nurse man. No, 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 no. He's, yeah. he's, he's a go getter. Let's yeah. let's take our last break. So I wanted to talk a little bit about since we've been talking about. Um, you know, working the ground. We we were in. I don't know where Zach took you guys last week, Dad. But uh, it, we were in Matthew thirteen somewhere, and I wanted to talk a little bit about it because if you notice, <clears throat> every parable that Jesus talks about here has something to do with what we all love to do, which is really interesting. I mean, it's a farming. Most of it is farming because he talks about the weeds and all that. But yep. even the fishing, because he has one about the nets. Yep. There's one about treasure hunting, which, you know, Jace is big into that. We're not as much the rest of us. But he, the the thing is, kind of what Chad mentioned a minute ago, Jesus begins this sort of new style of teaching when you get to this point. Like up until this point, he's just been talking about the kingdom, straightforward, mm-hmm. same stuff John the Baptist was talking about. Here's what the kingdom, but now all of a sudden. Just remember, this is just prior to him saying, you, you you turn two two pages or so, three pages, and you're where from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples they, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. Well, three chapters earlier, he's arguing with them. He's talking about the Lord of the Sabbath, enter through the narrow gate, starting about chapter 5 but he's preparing them for what it's like to right. live as the kingdom of God on earth. But the motivation is not there yet. Right. But then they're arguing with him. You're doing what you're doing by the power of the devil and the parable of the soul. He said, most people don't get it. Their hearts are hard. He was pointing to them. Yeah. He said, their hearts are hard, but all these things are leading up to the announcement. Right. Look, I'm fixing to save the world by my death on the cross. Three days later, I'll be raised from the dead. When he said that, the disciples just looked around like, what? They they had no idea that he was actually going to do this. Right. But no, the I, announcement didn't come about midway. No, I agree. And I think this this the reason, because there's a reason why he started using parables. He hadn't mm-hmm. done it up to this mm-hmm. point. And he's just I mean, he's just like literally like he's looking around him. Yeah. And you're seeing stuff that's going on. He's making these spiritual applications, but the you know, people are like, what's he talking about? Mm-hmm. And especially the leaders, they don't even know. So I think the whole reason was because now you got the opposition, which is what Dad's talking about. And then you got people who say they're on board, but for all the wrong reasons. They're seeing physical Israel rising. Think up. about it, Al. He said to him to he heals a guy on the Sabbath. And they got all fired up about right. it. When he did that, here's a guy with a shriveled up hand. He'd been that way all of his life. He runs upon Jesus. Jesus heals him. Check this out. He completely restored, was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But 
This was in chapter 12, right prior to what you're talking about, the parable of the sower. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they may kill Jesus. You're like, are they ever missing it? Yeah. But but not realizing that by them killing him, which they did, right? it saves the world, including them, if they would repent, like in the book of Acts. said, you kill the author of life. And they're like, oh, my goodness. What, what are we going to do? They were cut to the heart. You mean by murdering him, it was going to save us? Peter said, now you got it. Right. They were just devastated. Yeah. And well, about 3,000 were baptized that day, and the kingdom started. It's an amazing story. It ended up the ante. And then I even think that last little bit he adds in there, Matthew does about his family, shows you how much opposition he was really facing at this point. Because even his oh, own family man. didn't get it. You know, they were like, he, they were they, they thought Even was, miracles wouldn't work. No. In fact, it hadn't worked. You no. know? And he's fixing to go through a whole series in the next chapter where he talks about how all these, you know, places that should have been listening to him, but the hearts were bad. And so I think that's the purpose of the parable is to get to the hearts. And it's interesting because in the parable of the sower, that's exactly what you're looking at mm-hmm. is different hearts, soil. I've watched heart. it for the last 50 years <clears throat> presenting the gospel, and all I'm doing is waiting on the response to see what it's going to be. Most of them, most of them, uh, when they hear the, the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. You say, in your my, my work over the last 50 years when I came to Jesus and I presented Jesus to people because it affected me so much, you say, overall, the largest group by far says, nope, nope, nope. Yep. A few trickle back and say, my bad. You, 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 I was mad at you when you whooped out your Bible here in the middle of nowhere down there. But now you were right. So what, so what happens, Jay, when, when yeah. some seed winds up on so the road? If I don't run that harrow get over that seed and cover it up, and we've all seen it, a swarm of birds descend mm-hmm. on it. Oh, yeah. And they will get every bit yeah. of it. <laughs> so do not broadcast your seed without covering it up. That's exactly right, which is his point. He uses that as the snatch away. It never gets a chance to even grow at all. We don't have a problem on planting on rocks, but we do have with a lot of kind of different water regimes. But that second person is a rocky place. The man who hears the word once receives it with joy. Good night, that's it. I can get out of here alive. Mm -hmm. But since he has no root, the seeds are in the wrong spot. It lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, like what happened to me here four or five years ago, national news, some guy said, do you believe homosexual behavior is a sin? I quoted a verse that said it was. Don't be deceived. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. But I didn't give him 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. I just quoted it. You know, don't be deceived. And I answered the guy's question. Well, you'd have thought... It, they did the same thing to me that they're doing right now to Gruden. Just attack him and no matter what, mm-hmm. attack him. So sinners begin to attack other sinners, and they pass judgment on each other, and it's just a free-for-all. Everybody accusing everybody else of sinning, sinning, sinning. And you say, well, you ever done a little sinning in your life? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't as bad as that. And, and there you go. <laughs> you actually, they, the original uh, uh, cancel, cancel attempt. Yeah, they cancel like culture. Cancel. It hadn't quite gotten going. They good. cursed me and treated me like a dog. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, the guy asked me a question. I just quoted him a Bible verse, but it took this bunch in America, the news media, three weeks to figure out it was a Bible verse. <laughs> you lost a lot of sleep over it, too, didn't you? Yeah. No. <laughs> I just thought, well, I, I just love them and move on. Don't hold it. What's them. interesting is that anytime, like, if someone's wanting to do a hip piece about you or the family, that's what they lead with. Even now, all these years later, it's like, oh, well, this guy. Even even the little bit I got in Massachusetts was just because I'm your son, because they don't know anything about me. If you know Jesus what I'm saying? They, they don't know anything personally about me. If Jesus performed miracles and healings, and they still hated his guts and were trying to kill him. I said, why would I want to rise up and try to make a big... The guy asked me a question. I gave him a Bible verse that answers the question, and I moved on. And I didn't go back. I never looked back at that. I said, well, they got sponsors that were sponsoring us, you know. They axed them, you know. Right. They tried their best to shut us down. But we just moved forward and said, Jesus number one, you know. So the third one is the obviously the stuff that comes up around it, chokes it out, mm -hmm. and is compared to the lot of that wealth or you mm -hmm. know anything really that gets in the way. Wealth or trials, the seeds are choked out. Yeah, we see that. We yeah. see it when that undesirables come up in there. Stone. Yeah. And you're trying to yeah. kill that off, but That's keep right. your good stuff. We, we right? don't want coffee beans, but we do want millet. So <laughs> That's right. What about it? And I said, oh, well, you know, spray it or whatever. But I don't like that spray. I don't trust it. You know. Yeah. So Stone said, well, we'll just bush hog the whole mess. I said, I don't know about that. They said, well, them butt. So he volunteered me to do it. You know, the butt willows. Ducks don't eat them butt willows, but the butt willows about three feet tall over there. And on a dare, they said, they said, what do you think? I said, I try it. So they bush hogged it. I looked after all they bush hogged all the undesirables. I looked at what replaced it, and I said, "That was a stroke of genius you mm -hmm. boys come up with." Mm -hmm. I said, "That worked." Oh, but what I didn't tell him a week after we bush hogged it, I went in there with the spray rig and sprayed all the undesirables, <laughs> so they wouldn't grow back. Yeah, so you did it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's what happened. You got to turn it over, Dad. Right. Next generation. That's right. That's it. All right. Well, we're out of time. Uh, Chad's good to have you. Oh, it's yeah. always good to have Stone on. So keep planting. You get, get to that good soil. That's what we keep want. Keep sowing that seed. That's right. That's exactly right. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.